Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Do Business Better podcast. We're going to give you information you can use to apply to your life and your business and make it thrive. I got a good guest for you today. We're talking about how you can be a good manager. That's what we want. You being a good manager. Maybe you're a solopreneur, maybe you're self-employed, but you know what? You probably still have to manage subcontractors. You have to manage those that you work with. You always team up and collude on contract on, on uh, different projects. Or maybe you have seven employees. Maybe you have 17, maybe you have 70. Point is, at some point in your career, as you are going through the paces of running your own business, you have to manage things. I got the author here of uh, The Good Manager, and his name is Ralph Peterson. And he's going to talk to us about being a good manager, managing through the strife, managing through this coronavirus thing, managing people remotely, managing people when everybody is in tumult and turmoil. We're going to cover it all, man. Welcome to the show, Ralph Peterson. Thank you so much. It is crazy out there. To Not to put too fine of a point on it, but managing is very challenging right now. Very challenging. <laughs> All right. So a little background about you. You spent a few years in the Marines. You then worked in corporate in the long-term care industry. Long-term care. Absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, three years ago, I finally, finally broke away, took off those golden handcuffs. You know what I'm talking about. The ones that keep you employed (laughs) way past where you want to. I've always wanted to be on my own, doing my own thing. And it took me a long time to get there. So finally, three years ago, went out on my own. And now I own my own management company, still working in long-term care primarily. Yeah, so uh, it was 26 years ago for me, 1994, I was a corporate guy, uh, farm boy turned corporate guy, uh, salesperson, and I, I, I dropped the handcuffs early. I dropped the handcuffs and dropped the gloves uh, in 1994. <laughs> I was only a 25-year-old guy, so it took you a few more years. So there you are, you got eight years in the Marines, you got uh, you got corporate work, um, working in long-term care, and then you say, I want to do my own thing. I know enough about this. What do I, what am I good at? And you've written a couple of books and you say, I'm good about helping putting leadership teams in and managing. So uh, tell me, tell me how that all came together. As a matter of fact, it even, it even goes back a little further. It's even a little more, a little more straight line than that. I, I got promoted, I was working in housekeeping, laundry and food service in nursing homes for a management company. So no no big deal, I love the industry, it's great work. I got promoted, the first time I got promoted to a district level position where I had managers under me, the the biggest slap in the face, the biggest challenge is finding new managers. Because I don't know if you know this, but there's no specific schools out there to train housekeeping managers. Uh-huh. You've got to develop, you know, your best housekeeper becomes the housekeeping manager. Your best cook becomes your dietary manager. You know, that's, that's how it goes. And, 
And by the way, Ralph, that's the yeah. knock that you hear on all these industries is that when you really think about it, and you know, you read the books, The E-Myth, uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, one of the business books I read years ago, talks about the person that loves to bake pies says, I'm going to start a business baking pies. And the thing is, they're damn good at making pies. They're not good at running a business or at selling pies or at ramping up the production of pies. They just loved making pies. And of course, by the time they realize their, their, their pies are so good that they are selling in spite of their bad salesmanship and the fact that they have no marketing program that the only, and they don't know how to manage a business. They don't know how to ramp up production. They're in there for 17 hours a day baking pies and then they hate baking pies. So in your situation, you've got the person that says, I need a person that can manage uh, the housekeeping roles for nine uh, nursing homes. You're really good at doing the housekeeping at this nursing home. Can you manage everybody that does what you do in nine of these places? And like, no, yeah, that's so, the problem. So hold on a minute, that's not a problem. That That is always sold as a problem, but that is, it's a challenge, but it is a challenge we cannot overcome because and nor would we want to. And here's the reason. The reason is because I get it all the time. Just because Sally is a good housekeeper doesn't mean she's gonna make a good manager. That's what you're saying. Well, here's yeah, the yeah. thing. Here's the truth of this. I have no choice. I have no choice. Yeah. You, you, if, if I need a manager, I'm looking at two people. Have you ever had somebody say, oh my God, you know who'd make the best manager? We got to promote this guy. He's not here today because he called out again. And um, you, you wouldn't know because he's never here late. He's always leaving early. He never yeah, gets yeah. his job done. But man, I, if we put him in charge, he would be so great. You would never promote that person. Right. Instead, we hear about Sally, the person who always comes in early, stays late, helps out, works with anybody, works Saturdays and Sundays when it's not her Saturday and Sunday. So, yes, it is a challenge to get Sally to learn how to be a good manager, mm -hmm. but it is here's the best part about managing. It's a learnable skill. You can learn how to drive a car. You can learn how to bake a cake. You can learn how to manage people. Yeah. It is this, it's a learnable skill. And that's, that's what I think is so important. But back to my, just a, my quick little origin story. So I found myself really struggling with trying to find and promote and train managers. And so I finally started to have a Wednesday night meeting. Every Wednesday in a basement of a nursing home, I would have this meeting where I would just invite my management team and we would talk openly. This is in 2004, 2005. YouTube had just started, was very new. And I was looking on YouTube for some type of, you know, is there any books that my managers could be reading? Is there podcasts, which was brand new, could they be listening to? Right. Anything to train my managers. And I found a video and it was called The Fireside Chat with an Executive. And I'll, I'll never forget it. It was a woman in a business suit sitting in front of a fire and she was legit talking about employee engagement and she was talking about recruiting efforts and bonuses and shift differentials. Meanwhile, I work in a nursing home just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. I have theft, I have drug use, I have, I mean, fist fighting with employees. I mean, you name it. Like she was so not talking my language or my team's language. Right. I was like, you know what? We're just gonna sit down in a, in a nursing home basement and we're going to have open discussion about how do you, how can you tell if somebody's on drugs? How can you, how, what is the best way to investigate a theft? What is the best way to listen to or commiserate with or slow down, you know, calm down somebody who's going irate in a, in a nursing home? And I was doing that for a couple of months when, what I didn't know at the time was the owner of that nursing home, every Wednesday night, he owned a bunch of nursing homes. Every Wednesday night, he was in this nursing home. So every Wednesday night, he's here overhearing me talk about management. And one day he calls me to his office and says, I need you to start working with my managers. 
I need you to start training all the managers. And that's quite literally how it happened for me. I organically fell head over backwards okay. into training managers. And then I was working for this management development company, one of the largest in the country that provides housekeeping, laundry, food service to nursing homes. And I said to them for years, I'm in the wrong position. I, want, I need to be training managers. I need to be training managers. And eventually I finally got the final no, where they said, we don't think that, you know, we have other people that are set up for the management training program. It's, we don't need you in that position. So we just want to keep you in operations. And I was like, that's not what I want to do. And so I, I left that started my own company. Now I'm, I train managers full time. So that's full circle origin story. Okay. So I, I like the story because then that means that you, like everybody listening to this podcast or most people listening to this podcast, uh, run your own business and they're, they're sitting there saying, okay, everybody has a background. Everybody has a story. A lot of people have heard mine. That's, you know, they've read my book and they keep up with my stuff, you know, corporate to political comedian to, uh, you know, ag and business guy. Okay. You're running your own thing, but you're, you're obviously your big, your big value is how to train managers. And now you've got the book, How to Be a Good Manager. I got people listening to this podcast that maybe have seven employees and they're saying, yeah, I I do well, but what am I doing wrong? What are they doing wrong? I'll tell you, there's, there's, let let me break down how to be a good manager in three easy steps. There's three things. I have a bunch of rules for managers. I have a lot of warnings for managers. People fall into the same traps, but let me just start with what makes up a good manager. Because the book is called The Good Manager, Being Great is Overrated. That's the subtitle, Being Great is Overrated. Because it is, once you think you're great, you stop trying. And once you stop trying, forget it, right? All goes downhill for you. Number one, to be a good manager, you have to be a good person. You have to be the type of person that people want to work for, people want to hang out with. This whole notion that I'm not here to make friends, that's nice, all well and good. You can throw that on a bumper sticker. Don't take it to work. It's not gonna help. People work for people they wanna, people they like. Number two, being a good manager means learning how to be good at managing. Be good at learning how to be a good manager, meaning how how to talk to people, how to be a good detective. I give out these management toolboxes and management toolbox, I have in there handcuffs, I have no buttons, I have police badges. I have all this stuff because these are all these little tools that you need. You need to learn how to become a really good detective. So the idea, wait a minute, in your little toolbox. So if you were doing a training thing, I see behind your right shoulder, you got a no button. As That's my little no button. It's the number one word every manager should learn. None of them like to say. Because you won't be liked or they're afraid that someone's going to be mad at them. And they can't handle the fact that in the break room, they're in there bitching about them because they're, they said no. So tell me uh, in your little tool kicks. I like that. Wait, wait, you got three rules. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, no, no, not three rules. Three things that make up a good manager. Rule, the, the first thing is to be a good person. The second thing is learn how to be a good manager. It is a skill you need to learn. And the third thing is don't be evil. Okay. But I want, okay, don't be evil. Let's now, go. Hold on. The reason, the reason that don't be evil is there is only because it's not effective. I am, I swear this is true, but I am a manager. And what that means is you can rely on me to begin the day and end the day with the product. I can begin with nothing and I will see it through to the end that there's a product. Me and my team, I, as a manager, my job is to make sure the product or service is delivered when it's supposed to be delivered. That's my full job. If being evil, beating people up, talking down to them, kicking them in the butt instead of patting them on the back worked and it worked consistently, I would be all for it. This book would be called How to Be Evil. 
here's the problem. Doesn't it work. Doesn't work. Right. It doesn't have any sustainability. There's study after study after study. The more evil you are to people, especially in public, the less people trust you. The less people work for you. So don't be evil because it doesn't work. All right. Be a good person. Yeah. Uh, means. Uh, well, I'll give you my five rules. So five quick rules on how to be a good person. This is how to be a good manager. Rule number one, don't walk by trash. Pick it up. Manager should never walk by trash. As a matter of fact, most of the people that we promote to a management position are the type of people who wouldn't walk by trash. You find somebody not walking by trash and I want to, you see somebody outside in public picking yep. up a piece of trash and throwing it away. I want their number. Yep. They're, they're ripe. They're a good candidate for management. Rule number two, you have to be on time. I was just listening to your latest podcast and you had um, Angie Carell. Is that, is that how you say last name? Carell? Carol, yep. Carol. Great podcast. It was a great show. Thank you. She says, I don't have a time when my employees show up. My head exploded. I was like, what do you mean? There's no time. <laughs> she has no, there's no set time to show up. Just get your work done. I, I'm like that girl. She said she lost somebody who uh, couldn't handle that. Neither could I. Yep. I couldn't manage in such a chaotic environment. Rule number two, you have to be on time. And I don't care what time that is. It could be nine o'clock, 10 o'clock tomorrow. I don't care. But whatever time it is, people need to be able to rely on you. We're talking about managers. If yep. a manager, if there's no time a manager is going to be available, that's chaos. I tried calling you 18 times. Well, I wasn't working. Well, I didn't know. Why, why don't you tell me when you're working this? Rule number three, managers must be dressing professionally. And by the way, instead of professional, I would say that managers have to stand out from their staff. Okay. They have to stand. I need to be able to look at a group full of people and know who's in charge of that group full of people. Does that make sense? I mean, I can't, if I'm a customer, if, if I need help, you know, there was a, there was a terrible, terrible event that happened in the seventies where in Queens, I'm just outside of Queens here. There was a woman that was stabbed to death in the broad daylight during the day, broad daylight, and she was stabbed over like 60 minutes of time. She, would, she got stabbed by this guy. She got away. She's yelling, screaming, help. Hundreds and hundreds of people saw her from all walks of life. Old people, young people, white people, black people, women, men, all walks of life saw this happen. Saw her get away. She ran. The guy caught up to her, stabbed her some more. She gets away again. She runs some more. They, the whole time, eventually he kills her. Nobody ever called the police. Why didn't anybody call the police? So the psychologists went through and they, they're trying to interview as many people as possible to find out why didn't anybody call the police? Here's the reason. Everybody thought somebody else was doing it. Nobody took control. Everybody thought someone else was in charge. And now what we teach, especially in nursing homes and long-term care, and if you're ever in the hospital, if you're ever in a crisis, you got to listen to this piece of advice. It's so crucial. If you are ever in a crisis, let's say you're on the street and you're having a heart attack. You feel like something's really bad and you're on the ground or you just got hit by a car and a group of people are standing around going, oh my God, what happened? You have to pick someone out. Hey, the guy in the red jacket, call 911. Right. If you don't specifically address someone, identify someone and tell them it's their job to call, everybody will assume somebody else is calling. And the lead, which is why in, in hospitals and nursing homes, we put the name of the nurse in the residence room. There's a whiteboard in every resident room. We put the name of the nurse. So don't yell help, yell Kim. Yeah. Because <laughs> Kim's going to hear Kim way before she hears help. You understand? I like it. 
So it's very important that a manager stand out from everyone else, super, super important. Rule number four is a manager has to be a good worker. This one is so, there's so many twists and turns with this notion, but I'm just gonna make it quick for you and easy. Your not staff, me, not just for me, but for the listeners of the Do Business Better podcast. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't mean you. I'm talking you, proverbially everybody, the proverbial you. There, there, the, when it comes to being a hard worker, two things. First of all, every manager I've ever promoted believe that promotion is like winning the lottery, like they never have to work again. And that creates a lot of problems down the road. Number two, they quickly lose lose sight of how to manage their own time. You know what the freshman 15 is when you yeah. go to college and gain 15 pounds? Right. Or this year we're calling it the COVID-19 because everybody's gaining 19 pounds. Right, right. That is what happens. That same kind of thing happens to new managers where as soon as they get freedom, nobody's looking over their shoulder. They can do whatever they want. They can sit at their desk and – Nobody's questioning whether they're working or displaying on Facebook. They lose sight, like a, like a freshman loses sight of how much they've eaten throughout the day. They lose sight of how much time they've wasted and they've end the day with not getting their work done. And it's a, it's a really, really bad thing. The other thing is with your staff, there's a big, here's a big thing. If your staff are short or if your staff are being asked to do something above and beyond to work really hard, they need to see you working just as hard. So it is super important as a manager to be working and to to have that visual representation where people can follow your lead. You have to be a good worker. So you get a, you're a good worker when you get the job, that's how you get promoted and you gotta stay a good worker. It's very important. Rule number five, you have to be visible. Be visible. Be visible. You've got to be able, people have to see you. I was doing a presentation for police officers recently in New Hampshire, and they were talking about when the new Waze app came out. You know, the new Waze is the GPS app. And I was asking them, how, how has that affected your job? Because, you know, when I was a kid, we had radar detectors, and they wouldn't work because when you went by the grocery store, they went off, right? So yeah. you yeah. could never tell if yeah. there was a police officer around. And now with this new Waze app, you can pinpoint it. And there was a police officer, he raised his hand and he goes, I use it to check in. And I was like, what does that mean? Well, it turns out if you're a patrol officer, especially in New Hampshire, you're not allowed to go back to the precinct to do paperwork. So every time you pull somebody over, every time you write a traffic ticket, every time something happens, you have to sit on the side of the road and get your paperwork done. Have you ever seen two cops sitting in a median? Yeah, that's yeah. called an in-service. That's yeah. one cop helping another cop with a new program or a new way to fill out a report. They're okay. literally working. They're trying to get their paperwork done because they can't do it at the precinct. Okay. Well, the problem is with these new police off, these new police cars, they're so fully loaded, they're so sensitive that they ding. They have cameras on the back of the tailgate of the car and they ding when they read license plates. License plate, license plate, speeding, speeding, license plate, blown headlight. You know, they can just see it, ding, ding, ding. Police officers get so distracted by this ding, 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 yeah. ding, 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 that the Waze app has actually helped a lot of police officers because now they go to the median, they pull out their own Waze app and they check in. They go, I'm right here. And they identify their, themselves. And you know what happens when they, when they place it where they are on the Waze app? Everybody slows down when they pass them. Everybody sure. obeys the law, which means no dings in the cruiser, which means they get their work done. It's the same thing in management. If your team sees you regularly, you don't have to say anything to them. If you just walk in by, they see you around, they'll, they'll 
their hands are tended to, they take their foot off the gas, and they continue doing what they're supposed to be doing. Being visible is super, super important. Yeah, it's a little bit of the cat the way mice will play, but the reality is it also shows commitment and it keeps people because, you know, I, I took a supervision class when I was at Purdue and they talked about, um, no, uh, people by and large want to just work hard. They want to be responsible. They want to do this. And I'm like, uh, bullshit. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know who you're talking all. about. <laughs> like I've worked in a factory. I've worked in an excavating business. I'm not sure I wholeheartedly agree with that. They do what they can get away with because economics taught me that. All right. So his name is Ralph Peterson. Uh, his book is The Good Manager. We're going to talk about that later. But if you got the five rules again, I, I, wanna, I started writing them down, but I didn't start until number two. So give me the first one. That's okay. So hold on. So these five rules are for managers, but they're really for anybody. Because rule number one, don't walk by trash. Rule number two, be on time. Rule number three, dress professionally or stand out. Stand out. Rule number four is to get your work done. Be a good worker. And rule number five is be visible. These five rules I say are for managers, but quite honestly, is there an employee in the world we don't want them to be on time? We don't want, we want our employees not to walk by trash. We want our employees to be on time. We want them to dress professionally. We want them to get their work done. Here's the caveat. This is where we're gonna have to, we're gonna hit the, the rubber's gonna meet the road right here. This is the test. Do you have what it takes to be a manager? And quite frankly, not enough people do. Rule number one, managers are not allowed to walk by trash. However, if you wanna be a manager, you wanna tell if you have what it takes to be a manager, a manager is also not allowed to pick it up. Rule number one, managers are not allowed to walk by trash and they're not allowed to pick it up. Now, what do you do? How does that make you feel? Is that, is that because uh, you think that uh, it's not because they're above it, it's because then that's all they'll get done doing is picking up trash, right? Because the manager, management is a verb, it's an action word and the job is action. And you have to, you have to make people, I'm using the word make intentionally. You have to make people do things they do not want to do or they are not otherwise doing. I do not need a manager for people who go to work and do what they're supposed to be doing every day without any problems. That's not what I need a manager for. You know why I need a manager? Because just like you said, most people, if not supervised, will not do anything. They will do this least amount as possible. In my book, the new, my newest book, The Good Manager, the last page of this book, the last page is quite frankly, where is it? There we go, wait, wait. It is a piece of trash. It is a, Jesus, how many pieces of paper they put in here? Here it is. It's perforated, you cut it out, you roll it, you rip this page out of the book, it's a piece of trash, you throw it on the floor and you see right here, instantaneously, a piece of trash. Do you have what it takes to manage? Do you have what it takes to tell people? Now think about what's gonna happen. You you walk up on into the store, the shop, the, right. the nursing home, the hospital, you're walking along and you see a piece of trash in the floor and you're not allowed to walk by it and you're not allowed to pick it up. So the first person you see, you're going to be like, oh, nope, I won't say anything to her. She's going to give me, I know I, if I tell her to pick it up, oh, I'll never hear the end of it. I'll just, hi, yeah, we'll just let her walk by. I'm not walking by it, but I'm not picking it up yet either. Okay, okay. Next person comes along. The whole time you're going, all right, who am I going to make do it? Because I don't know who put it there. I don't know how long it's been there. I don't know what it's made of. I work in healthcare. You can just imagine the trash I find on the floor. I mean, it could be very gross. We don't know who put it there. We don't know how long it's been there. And every person I say, hey, excuse me, we grab that piece of trash, immediately they go to, I didn't drop it. Mm -hmm. Now, what's or it's my, not my job, or it's not my job, or I'm not, above that, don't you realize? A million percent, a million percent. And what's my job? My job is to get you to pick it up. 
And so I would say, I didn't say you dropped it, but I don't want you walking by it. Yeah, here's the next pu- here's, hold on, here's the next pushback. Why don't you pick it up? Mm-hmm. Oh, so why don't I pick it up? Because my job is to make sure you pick it up. Well, I didn't drop it here. I understand. I didn't ask if you dropped it. I wouldn't imagine you're the type of person who drops it. But I, don't do, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to pick it up this time. And if you see, just keep an eye out. If you see anybody drop a piece of trash, you have my permission to tell them to pick it up. Before you know it, that will be the universal thing. Now, I tell you, I'm, I've been doing this a very long time. I've been working with this whole trash mentality for a very long time. And there is a way. It's not easy. It's not easy. Most managers I know, more than happy to pick up trash. Most uh-huh. managers I know, most managers I know, would rather do the work than ask somebody to do the work. They'd rather pick up the slack than make somebody do it. You have to be tough to be a manager. Did you know, I don't know if you know this, but two thirds, seven out of 10 essentially, of managers, brand new managers fail in the first 90 days? Seven out of 10. Okay, they, may, they, they, they said fail. No, fail. You mean get they get demoted fired? or fired. Huh? Demoted or fired. Okay. Fail. All right. So they, they like legit told, don't be a manager anymore. Seven out of 10, six out of 10. Five million people are promoted to leadership positions every year. 3.3 million of them will be demoted get, or fired. Get, get demoted or fired. In 90 days. I'll be damned. 90 days. And that means that it's not, it's not easy work. It is not easy work indeed. And you know what? Let's talk about a couple of traps that we all fall into. A couple of things to look out for. Right. There are these golden rules, life's golden rules. Sure. I learned them when I was 10, 12 years old. That is, you should treat people the way you want to be treated. You've heard that golden rule, right? How about, <laughs> how about you should never ask anyone to do anything you wouldn't do. Right. Oh, that's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. You should praise publicly. And if you have to reprimand somebody, you should do it privately. Uh-huh. We've heard oh, that. that one's a feel good, right? That one's nice. Oh, you should never micromanage your team. And of course, of course, always choose your battles. Mm-hmm. Every one of these rules I just told you, these golden rules of life yep. will make you fail so fast in management if you follow them. They are big, fat lies. So you're saying that all the stuff that we got told, uh, mm-hmm. don't ever ask anybody to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Now, the thing is, you are willing to do it. But the point mm-hmm. is, you can't run a company by, as you said, doing, uh, I, I can't be the, I can't, I'm, I am, I'm not only am willing to unload the trucks, I've done the unloading of the trucks. But right now, I need you to go and unload that truck because I've got to meet with another vendor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So, so it's worse than that. The, or, let's talk about the origin story of that turn of phrase. That turn of phrase, I wouldn't ask anyone to do anything I wouldn't do. You know, that turn of phrase came out of the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s, when factories were very slow on, mm-hmm. on installing safety procedures, protocols, safety measures, and they were very fast at hiring children. Mm-hmm. And the unions, of course, were way against hiring children because child labor laws and everyone was skirting outside the law and the unions weren't being able to compete because they were, they were taking all the grown male, male work. It was a big, big problem. Well, then you had some children, one right after another, horrific accidents. Newspaper gets a hold of them and it's national headlines. Uh-huh. And business, big business 
in America, corporate business takes a huge hit. And I'm talking for years, it was a big hit until somebody came up with a brilliant marketing strategy. You know what that brilliant marketing strategy was? We would never ask you to do anything that we, we were willing to do ourselves. Wait, listen, we, we are not corrupt. We are, we are good. We hear it today. We hear right. it today. We are, we put people first. Uh-huh. Oh, we are a green company. Uh-huh. Our environment matters to us. Uh-huh. We are against pollution. Uh-huh. We, every, you hear it's in advertising today. Sure. We all say the same thing. Oh my God. The, pro- the reason why it is such a detriment to managers is because somewhere, somewhere along the line, somebody said, hey, that is not just a tagline for marketing, which is what it was intended. That's actually how managers should behave. Like you shouldn't ask somebody to do something you wouldn't do. And managers, especially new managers who are in weak managers, managers who are not very good at managing, they hide behind that turn of phrase. They legit hide behind it. Why are you picking up that trash? Why are you putting away those supplies? Why are you doing that task? Oh, I listen, I, I believe that um, I wouldn't ask anybody to do anything I wouldn't do. As a matter of fact, anybody who ever gets promoted, the first thing they do, you send to me, welcome, here's your new job, you're the manager, here's your badge, here's your, your title, meet your new team. The first thing they do when they meet their team, every manager, they justify why they got hired tell you where they went to school, how much experience they have, how long they've been here, and what you can expect. And you know what you can expect? I'm gonna be the best boss ever. I have one of these greatest things called an open door policy, worst policy in the world, by the way. Open door policy, please, it'll ruin everything on you. Close the door and have office hours. My yeah, office that's, hours that's another cool. one. Open door policy really means just I'm open for complete interruption and distraction every time that terrible yeah, every idea. Time, every time Mary, every time Mary gets mad that I didn't put the mayonnaise back in the refrigerator in the break room, she wants to you know then I got to come in. No, it takes 25 minutes. To, there's a whole study. If you're in the flow working and somebody interrupts you, it takes you 25 minutes to get back on your game. You times that by 10 interruptions, that's half a day. Like, why can't I get my work done? Close that damn door. You got some good rules, by the way, Ralph, and I could have you on, and I think we should again because I like it. Um, Management, okay, the people that are listening to this are saying, you've given me a lot of stuff. You give me a lot of stuff. Uh, It's hard. It's hard. I think that you're going to say what I'm going to say. Being successful is sometimes hard, but really we make it harder than it is. (laughs) I think that you summed it up really about the big thing is, Sometimes, uh, yes, you're not supposed to be a bad person, but it sounds like you're really supposed to be a firm person, firm on your convictions about what, fair. what it takes to be successful. It's not, it's not that I've uh, got some problem with you. I'm not, I'm not lining up against the person from, uh, you know, accounts receivable. No, no, no. It's about being firm. It really, it takes a bit of backbone and being- It takes a lot of backbone. Firm on the convictions versus the people. It's about, no, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of backbone. And I am a dealer in fairness. Fairness. When I have two employees, it is super important for me to split up the workload between those two employees evenly. And they need to see that it's even. Transparency is key. And if I have three employees, it has to be split between three employees. If I have three, or if I'm supposed to have three and I have two, then I have to take a little bit of that lion's share and they need to see I too have skin in the game. If my employees are running around and I'm sitting around playing Candy Crush, I am going to lose big time. 
And there's a lot of managers right now who have lost and even know it yet. They haven't, they've been terminated and they don't even know it. Because a person that's doing candy crush when they're uh, trying to do that just points out number four, you've got to be a good worker. Got to be a good worker. You got to be visible. All right. Um, I know there's a lot to chew on here. Let me give you this one final thing. I brought, I brought a whale. Whoa, final thing. By the way, if you're not, uh, let me remind our listeners. Some people just listen to this on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, et cetera. You're going to miss my whale. You should be watching it because this is now a video on a YouTube channel. And I would love for you, if you are a listener, please go to my YouTube channel. It's called the Damian Mason channel. Go to YouTube, type in Damian Mason channel. That's it. And subscribe. And then you will find my Business of Agriculture podcast and my Do Business Better podcast. And you can watch it. And you can see Ralph right now in his awesome office holding up his whale. Go That's right. Whale. Here's the thing about a whale. Do you know how a whale dies? A whale does not have a natural predator. There is nothing the whale fears other than fishing nets and some fishermen. But otherwise, they don't have any natural predator. So they're not scared of anything. So how did they die? They die tragically. They die by drowning. Whales get too old to surface for air and too tired. They're a mammal. They're they're an air breather. They have to come to they have to come to the surface of the air to breathe. And there will come a time in a whale's life when they themselves have taken on too much, they've become too big. They've tried to take on too much. They get too heavy. They get Uh too tired and they drown and it is slow and it is painful and it lasts a long time. You see whales beached up on the beach. It's because they're trying to take a break from drowning. It is terrible and it is tragic. And that is happening right this second to every manager who is trying to do more. Every manager who doesn't have the guts to stop somebody and say, hey, please grab that piece of paper for me, knowing that they're going to give you pushback, knowing that they're gonna say, why the hell don't you do Why don't you do it? Every manager says, you know what, I'll pick it up. Is that same manager who's working 10, 12, 14 hours a day, Saturdays, Sundays, no family life. You are drowning. You are drowning and you're better than that. Stop being a whale, good Lord. That's a great closing point right there. You, eventually you get too big, too old, too tired, and you're going to drown. Go ahead and, and don't be a whale. His name's Ralph Peterson. If they want to check out your stuff, where do they find you, my friend? RalphPeterson.com. Best place. RalphPeterson.com. You can see everything. All right. And that's where you should find him. And then you are told already, dear listener, dear viewer, go to my YouTube channel. Please subscribe. It'll help visibility. Also keep listening. There's always good stuff here to help you live a life and business by choice. Till next time, it's the Do Business Better podcast. Thanks, Ralph. See you later. If you enjoyed this episode of Do Business Better, please share it. And be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear and Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Send us a message. We're always looking for compelling stories and business lessons our listeners can benefit from. Thank you. Thank you.